So today is uh, Mother's Day. Moms, we're so happy to have you here with us today. Happy Mother's Day to you. You know, it's not always easy figuring out what to preach on on certain holidays, right? I mean, you think it would be. It's like, what do you preach on Easter? Well, the resurrection. Yeah, but, but, but what about the resurrection, right? On Mother's Day, well, what do you preach about? Well, and somebody's going to say, well, m- mothers. Well, it's not always that simple. And I don't want to preach about what everyone else thinks we should preach about or what I think I should preach about. I want to preach about what the Lord wants me to preach about. And so today we're actually going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. We've talked about this passage now multiple times with the different child dedications that we've had. We've also looked at the book of Psalms. But what I want to look at this morning is as I look at our culture around us, as I, as I continue to see evil celebrated, things written into law, as I, as I watch all of these things happen, I, I'm reminded again and again and again how important it is to disciple your children at home. And where does that responsibility lie? Let's look at the scripture together. What do you show as priorities in your life? This isn't a sermon just for moms. This is for moms and dads and grandmothers and grandfathers and mother figures and father figures and teenagers and those who are thinking about what their future could look like someday. The word of God applies to all. Now, before we go any farther today and, and looking through this, uh, it's, it's very important that we establish something. There is no such thing as a perfect family. Amen? There are no perfect earthly parents, and there are no perfect families. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. We live in a social media culture, right, where you can take 50 different pictures on your phone and slide through to find the perfect picture to put up so people can see something that might seem a certain way yet it might actually be different we went down to see my uh, to, to see my grandfather two weeks ago and as we were sitting there my brother pulls out his phone and and it's not a super fancy phone but it takes great pictures and he's taking these pictures and I was like you know what my phone can take better pictures than you so I pull my phone out of my pocket and we're sitting there and we're taking of the exact same person we're taking a picture and his was way better than mine. And I'm like, well, how did you get it all blurry in the background? How did you do all that stuff? It makes it look so nice. And he's like, well, you have to have this certain, this certain setting on, right? It's a portrait setting. And so what you see is you see the person's face and everything else is, is blurred. And so it just looks really, really cool. It's almost like a filter. And at times in our lives, we put filters to make it seem like things are a lot better than they really are. Like a lot of people have what's called a Sunday morning face, right? You get ready to get to church, man, you put on your suit, you get your tie all straight in the mirror, and you make sure you brush your teeth, right, and that Chipotle is not still sticking up there. And you can look like a million bucks, and everything can actually be a mess inside. God knows there's no such thing as perfect parents and perfect families. So as we talk about parenting this morning, please don't take this as I have all of the answers because I most definitely do not. But God's word does. So let's look at that this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 6. But you know what, before we go there, let's, let's pray together. Gracious God, we ask that you would communicate your truth today. Be glorified in this place. Father, we ask that you would help us to hear what you want us to hear, to read what you want us to read, and understand what you have for us to understand. Remove distractions 
that you alone may be glorified. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here in the book of Deuteronomy, we have Moses writing, and he says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, as we already read through this passage, we're not going to read through the whole thing again. We're going to read verse by verse like we normally do. We're taking a break from the book of James. We're going back next week. But look at this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Before we even move into the conversation of discipling children, right, or grandchildren, who is your God? Who is your God? Moses establishes a basis for what he's going to be saying to the people of Israel. What he's already said. But listen, listen, here, listen to me. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's one God. He separates from all of the other gods that exist in the world. Gods that exist in the world. There is only one God. Do you believe that today? Because if you don't believe that, everything else falls apart. If God's not number one in your life, but you're worshiping some other God, everything else falls apart. Understand this today. As we talk through this passage, hear this, that the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. You shall love the Lord. We're going to talk about discipling children, but today, for parents, grandparents, if you are thinking about discipling children, it starts with you. It starts with you. What does your walk with God look like? It's so easy for us to point the finger at someone else, but it starts with you. And so what I want you to do today is I want you to stop thinking about everyone else. Don't think about any other parent. The people that you think are parenting a totally wrong style, I want you to think about you today. What does my walk with God look like? Am I truly loving God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my might? With everything that I am? See, heart, soul, and might, that, that covers just about every area of your life, right? Just about every area that you could think of is covered in that. How close are you to the one who loves you? Hear me today as well as we work through this. I pray that it, it convicts your heart. I pray that it challenges you. But we can't do anything about yesterday, right? We can only focus on today and moving forward. What's your walk with God look like right now? Because he loves you and desires it for it to be wonderful. Moses goes on to say, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. How are you to disciple your children if you are not walking in the truth? If you are not walking with the Lord, how is that? to happen? Are you finding your patience running out? We're sometimes really quick to check the heart of others, and I can be really guilty of this without looking at my own heart, right? Without looking at my own heart. We, uh, we were talking the other day about uh, Nehemiah plays soccer. It's a lot of fun. Yesterday it was freezing, but it was a lot of fun the other days. And, and sometimes when kids run off, I, some of the ways that parents speak to their children is just is, is, isn't right. And listening to the way that they speak it, and I'll sit there and I'll think to myself, man, that, that's not very kind. <laughs> that's not very loving. Yet I need to make sure in my own heart that when I speak to my children, 
I am also being kind and loving. Because it's easy to notice somebody else. But today we're talking about you. We're talking about me. And these words that I command you shall be on your heart. So you, as the parent, as the grandparent, as a mother figure, father figure, you are the one. You need to make sure that your walk with God is on the right path. That you are in the word. That you are praying. That you are surrounding yourself with other believers. So that you can continue to grow in your walk before, before you even get to the next part. So Moses says this. And then he says this. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in the house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You need to teach this to your children. And when do you teach it to them? Only between the hours of 8 and 10, right? Only when they're off their phone enough to be able to pay attention, right? Only when your favorite show isn't on TV. No, it's, it's in every single area of your life. It's when... I'm, I'm way behind because I'm not paying attention today. I'm sorry. It's when you talk, when you're sitting in your house, when you're walking, when you're lying down, and when you are up. In every single area of your life, you are to teach this to your children. So what does that mean? I want to look at three different questions today. The first one is what? You're to teach your children. You are to teach them the ways of the Lord. You are to disciple. It's your responsibility as parents. Don't pass it off to a pastor. Pastors can give guidance, they can teach, but it needs to be emphasized at home. I think pastors are great. I'm just saying, I'm just like. <laughs> Grandparents, you can teach your grandchildren and your adult children by the example that you set. You are the one who's responsible to raise your child up in the ways of the Lord, to teach your children about God. When is the next question? The, the answer is all the time. I think there's a thought, and, I, and I, I even see it happening sometimes today, where people believe that, that if I take my kids to church, that, that's enough. I can do whatever else I want, but man, if I just get my kids in the door to church at least a couple times a year, maybe, maybe if I can get them in every single week, that, that's going to be great. It doesn't matter if things are falling apart. It doesn't actually matter how I treat my spouse. It doesn't matter how I talk to them, but if I get them in church... Man, if I get him with those great youth leaders, Jarrett and Meredith, everything's going to be fixed. Everything's going to go well. They're going to be a Billy Graham. You know, church, church time is important. I, I believe that. The, the gathering of the body is necessary. For, for people that say you don't need church, you're not reading your Bible. But let me, let me give you some numbers here today. Let's say that you bring your child to church every single Sunday. And they're here for Sunday school and for the worship service. That's about two hours. And then you make sure that your child is at every single youth group that happens, which is twice a month. I even threw in an extra two weeks because Jared and Meredith are cool like that. And they do special things. That totals 156 hours a year that your students would be at church. 156 hours a year. Does that sound like a lot? What about school? If your child goes to public or Christian school, they have to be in school for 180 days a year. If it's secondary education, from what I understand, it's 990 hours. So you have 
<laughs> multiplied many, many times how much time your child's going to be in school compared to church. And you think that coming and bringing your child to church is going to fix it. That's not it. That's not the answer. It's good. It's necessary. It's important. But what's more important is what happens at home. Now, this isn't an excuse to not come to church. So don't take that, right? Oh, we're teaching our kids good. We don't got to come to church anymore. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that if you expect bringing your child to youth group, not emphasizing anything at home, not re-explaining what's happening Sunday mornings in a youth group, man, you're missing it. You're missing it. It's your responsibility. So at home, parents, you must diligently teach your children about the Lord. His goodness, his faithfulness. The idea that someone else is going to teach them, that's not what Scripture tells us. Scripture says it's your responsibility primarily. Everything else is secondary. The organization Common Sense Media uh, released a study in 2015 stating that teenagers ages 13 to 18 spend about nine hours a day on media. Nine hours a day. Think about that for a moment. Now, that, that, could, be, that could be gaming. That could be on their cell phone. That could be movies. That could be anything media-related, about nine hours a day. That does, not include, that does not include anything used for homework. If you go younger than that, ages 8 to 12, they said to spend about six hours a day. Now, this was in 2015, right? Whether or not you believe it, we're in 2021, It seems to me, and I don't have a study on it, but it seems to me that those numbers just seem to be continuing to increase. What I'm getting at isn't that you shouldn't let your child watch a movie or have a cell phone. But if you think for a moment that bringing your child to youth group is the only thing that's needed, you're missing it, man. If you think bringing your child to church is the only thing that's needed, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, it's your job. It's your job. To train your child up in the ways of the Lord. It's your job to teach them how to love God. Taking your kids to church but not reinforcing it at home lets other things seep in. The educational world, universities are filled with challenges for believers. So at home, parents, you must diligently teach your children about the Lord. This word diligent is used. And we, and we think about, well, what, the, what does that mean? What does the word diligent mean? Well, Webster would characterize, it says that diligent, diligent characterized by steady, earnest, and energetic effort. So diligence speaks of what? Intentionality. It speaks that you are intentional about it, you're passionate about it, you're making sure that it happens. You are to diligently teach your children. See, the thing is, we're, we're diligent about a lot of things in life, aren't we? We're passionate about a lot of things in life. Some of you might be diligent to make sure you have enough coupons when you go to the store. You can save enough money. Some might be diligent enough to make sure that your, your work ethic is unquestioned. Some are diligent about kids' sports. But are you diligent in teaching your children the ways of the Lord? I know how busy kids are today. The reality of it is that most kids spend more time participating in other activities than they do at church. And I, I, I'm, not, I'm not, this isn't bashing those things today. But what, what we have to talk about is where is the foundational teaching set for their lives? 
Where is the basis set for the way that they are going to go? And it's found at home. It's found at home. And if you choose to relinquish that, something else is going to fill in. You are essential to your child's well-being, their spiritual well-being. Church is great, but it's not the fix-all, nor was it intended to be that way. It was not intended to be the primary source of discipleship in the lives of your children. That's you. That's me. And we need to be faithful in that, realizing that God will give us what we need to accomplish that. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We see the importance of the way that we live our lives. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. Is there something else? Is there something else that you can think of in the Bible that, that you'll see on someone's hand at some point in the world around us? What about the book of Revelation 13, 16, and 17? And it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the, 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 name of the beast or the number of its name. There will come a day where the enemy will try and almost copy what we're told to do. And writing what we have been told to keep it on our arm. To wear it. You should be known by the way that you follow God. By your love for God. Your kids should see it in everything that happens. And there'll come a day when the enemy tries to copy something like that for his own evil purposes. And we come to this last statement. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What is on the doorpost of your house? Live, laugh, love, right? Or do you know? Do your children know? Do their friends know that when they come into your house, they're coming into a house that serves the Lord? See, what I'm not telling you to do today is go take paint and write on your door everything that I've said. That's a lot of stuff to fit in a small space. Unless you have a double door. Maybe like that you can fit a little more. But do your kids know? Do your kids' friends know that your house is different than other houses. Certain things aren't allowed in this place. One of the things, as Nehemiah continues to get older, uh, one of the things that I've, I've loved hearing him say is uh, a certain show on TV, and somebody will say something to him about it, and he'll be like, I'm not allowed to watch that show. <laughs> and he's four, he's three, he's almost four. But I love it. Because what it says to me is that he's understanding something. That there's things that are good and things that aren't good. When someone enters your house, they know this house is one that serves the Lord. So we look at all of these things and we think, okay, I need to teach, I need to teach my child the ways of the Lord. I need to talk about the Lord. I, I need to be doing this. But, but how do I do that? How can I teach my child about how good God is? I, I can't even teach myself sometimes. Well, the book of Psalms and chapter 78 explains a couple of things and reminds us of how important it is 
to teach, but to also teach through experience. To look back on what God has done. But let's read through it together. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from old. Again, dark sayings is not referring to uh, like dark magic or something like that. But instead it's things that you can't understand. Things that they can't comprehend. I will utter dark sayings from old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children. That the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise to tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. That I will tell them to the next generation, the children that aren't unborn yet. I'm going to pass it down. And I'm going to talk about what God's done in my life. His faithfulness. What I've seen. How good he's been. What he's brought me through. On Saturday morning of this past week, uh, Nehemiah and I were up watching Premier League soccer. Right? I'm a huge soccer fan. Chelsea made the Champions League final, which is like the equivalent. Chelsea's a soccer team if you don't know. But they made the Champions League final, which is the equivalent of them making the Super Bowl if the football leagues existed all throughout North and South America and the best two teams of all North and South America met up for a finals. So it's kind of cool. It's a little bit cooler than an Eagles Super Bowl, but it's pretty neat. <laughs> but we're sitting there, and a game's going to come on. It wasn't this game, but we're, um, it's, it's exciting to watch Chelsea play soccer. And the, and the, and the show, the, the, the game hadn't started yet. And I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back on YouTube and I'm going to show them the last time Chelsea won the Champions League final, 2012. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember the goal that Didier Drogba scored as he flicked it off the back of his head and the ball beautifully spun into the net. It was glorious. So I put the game on YouTube and we watched back. And a commercial came on. You know how YouTube has all those commercials now. And a, a, a commercial came on. He said, Dad, wh where'd the game go? Where'd the game go? A little bit after that highlight, we went back to, to NBC Sports, which is where the Premier League game was going to be. And they were showing something, talking about parents passing on their fanhood to their children. Right? So some of you, if you're, you're Eagles fans and you hope your kids are going to be Eagles fans and they're going to cheer for them, Right? The same thing in the Premier League. And they were saying how parents will wake up on Saturday morning and they'll put their jersey on and they'll go and they'll sit down and they'll watch the game and the kids watch it and, and they start to get excited about it and they want to watch it. And I understood it because I grew up in a home. I grew up in a home that loved watching soccer. Now, the kids wore jerseys. Our parents didn't wear jerseys, but the kids wore jerseys. And, and my granddad, he's British, and he'd get up, and we had a, something that was called the standing time in the game. And that's when the game got really intense, where you couldn't sit anymore, so you stand. Sometimes it's 90 minutes. It's the whole game, depending on how big the game is. But it passed down to me. I love watching soccer. We have standing time, too. Yet I was thinking as I was showing Nehemiah that game. I'm showing him how great this is. And I read through Psalm 78. And what we are to do as parents is to tell our kids about what God has done. 
You know those great victories in life when you look back and you're like, man, God, that's awesome. Thank you for that. That's so great. I've been praying for this. And then next month it's like, oh, well, that, yeah, that happened. No, tell that to your kids. May they know God's goodness, his faithfulness, his mercy, which was demonstrated to you. Since it's Mother's Day, I want to tell you a story about my mom before, we're, before we finish today. You know, one of the things as a parent and in teaching, if you've taught Sunday school or if you've taught in VBS or, or any other area, there are times when it almost seems like your teaching is in vain. Did you ever feel that way before? Man, I'm trying to communicate this and, and just not listening. They just don't understand it. I uh, grew up going to, uh, I grew up in Bolivia, South America, if you didn't know that. And I went to a missionary kids school, which was about 30, 35 minutes from our house. And my mom would drive us because my mom helped teach there at times. And some years she taught the whole year, she would teach elementary or music, and uh, we would get up early, we'd get to school before most of the other kids, it was a great time to do our homework, right, teachers didn't like seeing that as they were coming up the stairs, but it was a nice time to do that, but we had about a 35 minute drive, and what my mom did, almost every day, unless she forgot, was she would get this book out, and it was stories from the Bible, and one of the kids in the car had to read the story and it took about 15, 20 minutes maybe, altogether. Had to read the story on the way to school. Now, I was a teenage guy. How much do you think I enjoyed that? See, what I really wanted to do is I wanted to put my headphones in, and I wanted to go back to sleep. Because I couldn't believe that I was up at 6 in the morning or whatever to go to school. My school started at 8.30, so we'd get there a little later. I couldn't believe I was up that early, and then we're at the, I'm sitting there, and I'm listening, and I'm like, oh, I just want to, I just want to listen, I just want to listen to my music. Wasn't allowed to. I had to sit in the car, and I had to listen to that devotional every day. Some days I had to read it. Well, I might have not been a big fan of it at that moment. That was foundational in my life. That taught me more Sometimes I wonder if that taught me more than what I learned at four years of college. Every day, every day, another story from the Bible, another story from the Bible, another story from the Bible. And I look back on that, one of the things that I realized, and I, and I appreciate my mother so much in what she did, was that even in the times I'm sure she was discouraged in hearing one of her children say, Ah, oh, Mom, come on, not today. We don't want to do this. I just want to listen to my music. Another story? She said, nope, that's what we're doing. It is what it is. That's what's happening. It is what it is. She didn't always say it is what it is, but that, that's basically what it was. We had no say in the matter. That Bible story was getting read, and we were going to listen. And I truly believe it changed my life. So I share this today as we finish to encourage you parents. Grandparents, 
That when things are tough, don't quit. Your responsibility to teach your children is more important than I think we can even begin to realize. As it doesn't just affect them, it affects the following generation, and the following generation, and the following generation. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. All you can do is your best. Ultimately, your kids make their own decision on whether or not they're going to follow Christ, and all you can do as a parent is to do your best and to trust in the Lord and his goodness and his faithfulness and pray. You know, there are those who do all that they can do to diligently raise their children and their kids choose a different path. All you can do is your best. And never stop praying for your children. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for this, these passages that we looked at today. Father, we ask that you would give courage to the parent who needs it today. Father, help, help us to be diligent in the training of our children. God, through your spirit, grant patience and grace. May we live what we preach. Father, may the example that we set be different. May what's written over our doorposts be different. May what's written on our hands be different. That you may be glorified. That everywhere we go, the light of Christ shines. Not because of, of how good we are, but because of how good you are. Thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we close in our final song today.